0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie Weissman, the editor in chief of Modern Retail. And this week we have Sunny Zhang. She's the president and CEO of iBuyDirect.com or iBuyDirect. I'm very excited because, and I will preface this by saying it's not sponsored by iBuyDirect, but I'm currently wearing iBuyDirect glasses. So when I saw that you guys were offering Sunny you to speak with me, I was very excited to just talk about the eyeglass business and the glasses that I'm currently wearing. I'm fascinated by the overall eyeglass space, especially online players like iBuyDirect. I want to go into just sort of the history with you at the company. I know you've been there for quite a while and just the overall ebbs and flows and changes that you've witnessed in the industry of late. Sunny, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today?
1: Great. Doing well. Thank you to invite me, Cal.
0: Absolutely.
1: I'm Sunny Jiang from IBI Direct. I joined the company about 15 years ago, starting a role from the finance department as a finance controller. And, um, after that, I became the operations director, then the general manager before becoming CEO. Having the opportunity to work in different departments over the years really give me a solid and a deep understanding of the business from every angle. Since I've become the CEO, the company has grown nearly 300%.
0: Wow. And uh, what year did you become the CEO?
1: Uh, about five years ago, I guess 20, 2009, uh, seventeen.
0: Okay, wow. So, But correct me if I'm wrong, I was doing a little bit of research, but you, you joined iBuyDirect in, in 2007, is that right? Right after college?
1: Yes, right.
0: So that's pretty rare for, I don't know, the top executive of a company to be there so early on. Can you just talk about just sort of what you were right when you joined out of college, what was it that you were doing? Did you have any idea that this is this is going to be the rest of your life? You're going to you're going to be CEO of this company.
1: No, to be <laughs> honest, there was no idea that I was going to be the CEO of the company. And I was just uh, our graduate right right after the college. College, a center. I, but I know in my mind that, uh, you know, even though my major in a university was international accounting and finance, I knew from early stage that I didn't want to be a finance controller forever. (laughs) So I was interested in people communicating, working with people. So I knew that I wanted to interact a lot with people. Very soon after being the finance controller for, I think, about two, three years, I was clear for my career direction. I wanted to be involved in the management work. So that is why then when the company evolves um, to develop in the market, I had opportunity to be promoted as the operations director after, I think, around four years working in the finance department.
0: And what What did iBuyDirect look like in 2007? Because that was pretty early on in the uh, the stages of e-commerce and online retail.
1: Yeah, exactly. Back in 2007, I would say the optical online market was a blue sea. Today, if you ask me, it's red sea, right? The competition is much, much more fierce. In 2007, direct was one of the pioneers entering to this um, industry or um, category. I remember in the market like we had Zeni optical. They were about three, four years earlier than us. but then you know like direct we set up the model from scratch. Right. like we did everything internationally, manufactured from um, China, uh, but also we um, serve some customers from UK as a wholesale. And um, so then after, you know, when the retail business grew really well in the US, we wanted to focus in the US retail market so that the UK was slowing down
0: a little bit. And do, do you guys still do wholesale in the UK? Or did you just shut that off completely and now focus completely on retail?
1: Yeah, we shut it up completely and it started uh, and it focused on the retail from, uh, I think, 2010 or nine.
0: Got it. This leads perfectly into the question that I've just always wanted to ask like, you specifically. Is just, can you talk to me about how the business model works? So, and like, or more specifically, like, I have these glasses. They're very nice glasses. I think that they started at... $20 for, for the frame. Maybe they were $40, but like they were relatively cheap compared to if I went to an iStore when they would be in the $200, 300 So how, wh- what is the difference in the business model that you're able to make those margins work?
1: Sure, it's it's a good question. Abit Direct is a purely online player, right? We are very digitalized um, and we provide affordable, stylish, high-quality prescription and non-prescription Eyeglasses and sunglasses. Um, Our product starts from $6, as you mentioned, is rather affordable, I would say. The reason why we are able to um, provide, you know, a decent pair of glasses starting at $6 is because of the business model. In the business, we manage everything from uh, the beginning to the end. To be specific, we measure and manage the concept, design, manufacture, logistics, even the post-purchase return and redo everything in-house. This is allowing us to have the ability or possibility to forward a lot of profitability directly to customers. This is also why we're able to start from $6 without compromising anything on the product quality.
0: Got it. How many... like? how many in-house SKUs do you have? And how difficult is it to maintain all of it so that you're able to stay within the price limits you need, need them to be at?
1: As of today, I think we have around 4,000 SKUs for the frame selection. And uh, a recent study we did with YouGov reported that, uh, you know, customers, they do care a lot of selections when they come to shop online for optical eyeglasses and So with that... Uh, Information. We expanded our scale from 2,000 to 3,800.
0: You mentioned you're data driven, and that, um, and that you know you you make all of your decisions based on data. Can you give the sort of an example about that, especially as as a company that has you know around 3,000 different products? Like, what do you determine does work and doesn't work when you have such a wide selection of products?
1: Yeah, sure. Maybe I can give you some examples because there are so many different types of data. Right. For example, in the performance marketing department. We closely measure the spending or investment via different channels and platforms. And also we uh, look at the RAS on on the return of the fund investment, essentially. We uh, look at the people's response and engagement from click rate, uh, open rate, in order to understand what worked, what didn't. With this visibility, we will be able to know, okay, so like from here we have opportunities to improve and we will take action. We will map map out our action plan to improve for a better usage of our fund or resources. And also from the, for example, the customer service department, we close monitor our satisfaction through out the calls and emails and chat. So because we understand that one of our surveys with our customers told that the more satisfied customers we have, the more often they come back then, you know, like it is really benefiting both the customers and the business. So I would say, yeah, like here, there are many examples for how, like to say, how we use the data to make decisions. But really, the ultimate goal is to improve the performance. I think it serves well, this goal.
0: Got it. Um, You mentioned very early on that it was a blue sea in 2007, and now it's a red sea, where there are just a lot of different competitors, a lot of different brands out there when when did you begin realizing that it was becoming such a crowded space? and sort of was was it like when Warby Parker started to rise that you were like, oh wow, we're in a we're in a really different playing field than we were earlier? I
1: would say yes or no because yeah, like definitely when Warby appeared, um it uh, brought like our impression that uh, wow, well, like this is becoming it's becoming our you know busy or crowded market. Um, but more it's from our so many years observation, you know, when we play the game in the market, not only because of the top players like War and Glasses, they, they are all top from, but from our study, the, the, the top four or five players, they only account for, let's say 50% of the market share. We also have constantly new entries from uh, you know the market like small players but uh, you know there are so many and uh, some of them are growing so this is another consideration i would say another factor is that uh, you know some uh, some uh, existing brands uh, like who used to be purely offline now they become interested for online for example america's best right? Before 2019, they operate a lot of store, uh, stores across the US. Then once the like pandemic happened, they um, they improved the shopping experience for online, they improved their shipping, um, their, their try-on online, center So it becomes competitive as well.
0: Got it. And when you see, like, how do you respond to that? Is it just that you continue doing what you're doing? Have you ever thought, well, maybe we should, you know, like, I, I think, you know, Warby's an interesting example because they're now opening stores and they pit a lot of their growth on their store growth. Is that anything that you've ever thought about in terms of as you're seeing other players sort of encroach on your territory that you should expand in other ways?
1: Uh, regarding regarding the retail stores, Carl, I won't say that it will never happen to us. But as of today, you know, we're online eyewear brand first and foremost.
0: You mentioned how you measure, you know, you're doing a lot of measurement on the digital marketing side and digital marketing has changed a lot over the last years. And so, what is what, first, what is the primary channel by which you you, you get customers that I buy direct? Is it s- social channels? Is it email? What, what what do you find works the most in bringing people in or search?
1: We allocate a lot of resource to performance marketing to specific, specific We focus a lot on the paid search, display, shopping, and affiliate Accenture because these channels, they do a lot for the middle lower funnel um, activities and campaigns, the demand is already there. We work super hard to capture the demand. Except for that, yeah, we also heavily invest and focus on PR, um, organic social media, influencer marketing. One of the reports we learned from our customers is telling us that 15% of the customers, the first time they know Direct, it is a social media and a word of mouth. It's really encouraging for us to develop the, the channels. Like I said, organic social media, influence marketing, online video, et cetera, because it plays a crucial role to grow the brand awareness and affinity.
0: Have you found performance marketing to be more difficult over the last year? As you know, there are many privacy upg- updates. It's becoming more difficult to acquire. It's becoming more expensive. Are you, how are you tweaking, tweaking your program as a result of that?
1: Yeah, first of all, I confirm that the performance marketing, it is becoming <laughs> more difficult and challenging over the past, I would say, four or five years. I give you an example, you know, the CPM over the paid social media has been doubled from the past 12 or 14 months, and it's still increasing. It is giving some challenge, right? Like for us to expand as what we what we want. But here, you know, fortunately at iBuyDirect we have smart people like Jim and the team. We have experiences. We always optimize and um, uh, um, improve the performance through other metrics. For example, the content efficiency. For example, the customers engagement through the click rate um, and open rate. Essential when and also and. Another important thing is that we have elevated our basket value um, about 15, 18 percent in the past two years. It is really helping us to keep being uh, like on a good position for the PNL.
0: Got it. Makes sense. I want to talk about the branding or sort of the brand evolution because I know you just this summer announced a very big rebrand, and we can get into that. But how would you describe the evolution of the iBuyDirect brand over the years since you've you've been there for you know decades now? Has 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 the brand storyline sort of always been the same? How have you sort of gotten that story forward, and what has changed over the years?
1: Yeah, sure. One of the reasons why we were thinking to rebrand is that we found the, the brand didn't have the brand or the company didn't have a clear purpose. So we realized the purpose serve a very important role in the business and for customers. So that is the rationale why uh, we did it. And we just launched a rebranding, I think about a few weeks ago, and it is updating our look and feel to reflect our new vision and mission, and that is to empower people to shade societal pressures and express themselves freely. Customers always want options. They want to look and feel unique. And most importantly, they want to have the variety in their wardrobe to fit their mood and express their true selves. We have evolved our brand positioning to celebrate individuality, to help people to express themselves freely.
0: How did you coalesce on what this new brand image would be? Was it that you did a lot of focus groups and they said, this is what I want from your eyeglass brand? Or did you, you know, as the president, CEO, have, have an idea like this is what, where I think we should be going? How, how did you come up with what the new program is?
1: Yeah, because um, I guess it's still early stage of, you know, since we kicked off, as I mentioned just a few weeks ago, but the initial response we received from customers and the market is very positive. Um, our, For example, our press release is picked up by many medias, and I have a lot of people reaching out through the LinkedIn, um, like to say you know celebrate the uh, uh, congratulations it's really well done i even have a few previous co- colleagues who saw that because they know the brand right they say it is really you know like uh, the dna of abba direct now you express it they are very happy that we do it
0: got it and did you i mean how long did it take you to come up with it and what 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 went into making making it what it is now
1: i think it, it was not a small project because you know since the start uh, um, start since the start um, to you know the time that we were ready to launch the first phase, it took about one year. Because in the beginning we spent a lot of time to brainstorm to discuss the best approach regarding the brand purpose, the updated mission, vision, etc. And then it brought a lot of work to, you know, multiple teams in the company, like the brand team, um, IT team in special, and the UX team. So we have a lot of things to update. Now what we kick off is only in the phase one. In the next couple of months, we have more things
0: to come. Got it, got it. I'm excited to see it. Um, so, can you? You mentioned earlier that you've been, you know, I think you said 15% basket size has increased in the last two years. Talk to me through how that happened. Uh, were there specific tweaks that you made that made it such that people were buying more? Like, what, what have you found has worked in terms of increasing basket size?
1: Yeah, there are a lot of things. So because the two main components for our product are frames and lenses, right? In terms of the frames, for example, we introduced the Ribbon or Oakley. They really help. So we found customers, they consume the the content and they, they have the demand to have a premium selection. That is one of the. Factors and also, you know, we optimized our price point from the, you know, like a mid range. So, like everything starts from six dollars. But from our study and analysis, we learned that people they very engage with the price point starting from twenty dollars to fifty dollars, especially, you know, forty fifty dollars range. Then, you know, as an experiment, we introduced. Um, some more options for, you know, this range of uh, frames and styles. So we found that uh, people, they're really interested and they convert. From here, it is really encouraging. And then, you know, we expected more for this, uh, um, frames, for these frames. Regarding the lenses, we, um, introduced more personalization uh, for customers. So for example, if this is your second time coming back to purchase from the website, we realized that last time you, um, you bought a pair of transition lenses. And we will have a recommendation for similar lenses without taking, you know, wasting your time to browse the single vision or other type of lenses. This kind of customization or personalization is really helping people to improve their shopping experience and efficiency. It's also helping us to increase the basket value.
0: Got it. And you so you mentioned that you had you have Ray Bans on, on the site. How have you always had other brands available for sale for I by Direct, Or director? When did you begin offering uh, other glasses frames? Uh, in addition to the ones that you guys manufacture yourselves?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, for iBuyDirect, the main label is our in-house label, which is iBuyDirect. The reason why we introduced ribbon Oakley to the platform is because people ask, like people, they, when they, they browse, we have all kinds of people, right? Some people that have a good purchase power. They were like looking for something like Ray Ban Oakley. So regarding the future plan, I would say that we need to learn a little bit more from our customers and the market. If they have the desire to, you know, like visit more product like Ray Ban Oakley, we will do that.
0: Got it. Got it. And when did you introduce Ray Ban Oakley?
1: I think it's about two years ago.
0: Got it. Got it. Would you say that the needs? of the customer buying glasses online has changed over the years. So you mentioned that when you began fo- looking at between that $30 and $40 price point, more people that, you know, that was a, a pretty sticky price point, which I might be, you know, illustrative of that because I think that's how much my glasses were. But um, like, what would you say that there is a different customer now than there was say seven years ago in terms of what people are looking for online and how they interface with iBuyDirect.com for what
1: very different. Call. I can also give you some cases. One of the things we found is about the virtual try on. From seven eight years ago, we didn't see that people's desire to have a virtual try on is so strong. So people just purchase because they enjoy the price point, maybe they enjoy the um, convenience and the shopping experience and but in the recent years we learned from customers now like a virtual trial is becoming one of the top concerns when people shop online versus shop shopping like from offline, the optometrist, essential. This is something super important for us. So we introduced, um, we work with our vendor um, on the technology and the software, we introduced the virtual try-on. Now, the engagement, the customers who engage with virtual, virtual try-on, their conversion rate is almost 30% higher. This is something super, super positive and very different with the situation in the past seven, eight years.
0: Really, that's super interesting. Uh, Were you going to say something more?
1: Yeah, I wanted, there are many, right? It really depends on the time. Another thing, as I mentioned briefly just now, that it's since the pandemic. Since the pandemic that we found the customer's behavior are fundamentally different in some perspectives. One of the findings is that customers, before they really care about affordability and as a price point, they look a lot on a $6, $9, $15, essentially. But since the pandemic, because of certain reasons, people like they look for value or a balance between value and the and, um, and quality, I would say. They really care about the quality. They are willing to pay more as long as the quality is decent, the service is good. That is also why, you know, we are upgrading our frames and the lenses to a high level for customer service to cater this need.
0: I want to actually ask you a little bit more about that, because I think that there was a very specific pandemic mindset that made people, I think you're right, they're, they're more inclined to buy online, looking for value, but also more okay, I don't know if splurging is the right word, but looking for better products online, I guess we could say. I think we're now entering a new phase, specifically with inflation, with all of these weird macroeconomic things. Do you think you're going to see different types of consumer habits in the next few years because we might be entering a recession?
1: Yeah, I do. I think here for our business to continue being competitive in the market, in the already Red Sea market, is that you have to offer something which echoing customers' concept? You cannot only focus on promotions, discount, or low price, for example, because with the inflation, people's mindset is um, changing, right? They adjust their their habits and their expectations, etcetera. As as a business, as I would say, you have to do something. Um, comprehensive. You continue focusing on offering good value to customers, but your quality always stays on top of your attention. And also the post-purchase uh, service, uh, for example, your return redo policy, it really matters. Because before customers spend, decide, make a decision to spend with your brand or product, you have to make sure that they don't have any concern after the purchase. So so like we need to provide a really premium and high quality service to customers regarding the post-purchase concern for, you know, the quality, for the, you know, lenses. Even, you know, I don't like it. I want to have another, you know, uh, have a replacement center. We just do it.
0: Got it. And have you, I mean, have you changed your post-purchase at all? Or are you thinking about changing? How has post-purchase been tweaked over the last, you know, year or might be tweaked over the next year so that you're more catering to customers' needs?
1: Yeah, so we uh, we don't change it fundamentally because we already have a very flexible policy regarding the post-purchase um, um, uh, guidance. Essential, we just want to assist more customers, especially the new customers, because a lot of people, if it's the first time to visit our maybe some of them they feel a little bit lost, right? Like in terms of the going over, going through the processes. Essential, we want to make sure that we have enough experts to assist them in this stage. This is uh, one of the focuses. Another priority from the customer service department is to make sure that uh, our shipping information is transparent enough because uh, a lot of customers, they care, okay, I, you know, like I paid for my transaction one hour ago. I already want to know where are my glasses. Right. So we want to make sure that this information is straightforward, is somewhere that customers can conveniently find. Um, and also when customers have concerns and have, you know, like not complaints, I would say, you know, like considerations, we are very open to accept and we adjust our um, our work and, and policy accordingly.
0: Got it. Got it. Makes sense. Um, well, so you mentioned that we're in phase one of this rebrand. What is sort of what's the plan for the rest of the year? Is it you know, and what 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 should we expect in terms of things to be announced or unveiled?
1: Yeah, the phase one, the main focus is the you know, you'll probably already see that it is the logo, the brand name, the 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 font. Um, If you visit website, the font is also rebranded, the brand color, the color is more consistent across the website, and some specific channels like email channel. The email you receive is um, rebranded already. And regarding the phase two and the, the future, we will have a thorough evolution. And this kind of rebranding will cover every other channels from, for example, social media, <clears throat> sorry, social media display and um, influence marketing video is essential. So this is something we are going to focus. As well, we will um, have some video campaigns to cater, like to echo the new mission, vision, and the brand purpose, to let people feel that you know they are assisted or really helped, supported to express their individuality freely.
0: Got it. And can you talk a little about has there been product expansion or sort of how have you been sort of Figuring out, you know, where, where you go next or what areas you want to put your focus on.
1: Oh, that is, um, from actually in the preparation stage, we already had a study, right? So we broke the work into different milestones. And also it depends on the workload for the team because everyone is busy, right? So like the IT team, for example, has a long waiting list. So we will pick up. Yeah. We will pick up the items that, you know, will bring immediate value to the customers, but relatively easy to uh, implement. And then, you know, like here, yeah, like we will push them out to market face by face.
0: Got it. Makes sense. And we're running short on time, but I want to ask you just a little bit about this because you mentioned it a few times, but can you go into more detail just about sort of how you approach, you mentioned influencer um, uh, marketing campaigns as something that you guys do a bit. How do you approach that? Like, what are, like, who are the people that you work with? What have you found has worked in terms of that?
1: Yeah, well, we uh, maybe take influencer marketing for example. When we work with the influencers, especially the individual influencers, we do not only look at how many followers they have. We indeed care more about the engagement and, you know, like the common language between EBD, the brand, iBuyDirect, and the influencers and the influencers' audiences. We make sure that we want to make sure that their audiences share a common thing with Direct, so the engagement, the response could be positive. This is something staying, and a lot of times we found that when we work with an influencer with 1 million, even 2 million followers, the performance will not be surely stronger or better than the influencer who has only 200,000 followers, but with a better engagement.
0: That makes sense. I keep hearing that where it's about sort of the influencer with the right community, not necessarily the reach or the however many millions of followers. Exactly. What works like in specifically in eyewear? Like are there is there a certain type of influencer? Is it fashion people that you that you try to work with? Or are they lifestyle people? Is there a certain niche of them?
1: yeah we work with a lot uh, like a lot of uh, like fashion people or like people who value style um, like style a lot. but uh, I think more importantly, we want to work with people who share our philosophy. It is to help, especially under um, the rebranding rebranded by director. we want to find the influencers who share the language share the concept that they also want. The aim to help people to express their individuality and empower their individuality.
0: Makes sense. And so for my last question is just sort of what's your focus for the rest of the year? Are there th- other things that you want to accomplish? What are the, the top three important things that are top of list for you at iBuy Direct?
1: The top few things I would, uh, one of the top is about the next five years plan. So recently, we started working with the group and the team to map out the business plan for the next five years. And we learned from the industry um, and some studies that the, our industry and the category will continue to grow. I will make sure that IBA director will, of course, beat the benchmark, right, in terms of the growth speed, essential. So this is one of the top things in my kind of list, on my list. Another thing I would say is to make sure that we will be better um, serving our customers. And we still have a lot of things to improve. We are not perfect at all, right? So, for example, customer service. Sometimes, like people, they put a purchase today, tomorrow, they already want to receive the product. So currently, we already have a two-day delivery, you probably know that. But two-day delivery, maybe, you know, like people expect a one-day delivery, for example, something faster. So this is something we should consider, if possible, to leverage some distribution, more distribution center, for example, in the U.S. And to make the delivery, by the way, is one of the top, top concerns for customers. Just below the VTO, as I mentioned earlier, right. So delivery and customer satisfaction is always staying in my um, on my mind. So this is uh, the second thing. The third thing I would say, you know, also which is also mentioned uh, earlier, is the co- co- company culture. The so culture for me is something very um, is something crucial and very fundamental because you know, as a manager, we rely on people to be successful. We are not, you know, we cannot do everything by ourselves, regardless of how capable and experienced you are. So I want to make sure that all of the teams, we have the same goal, we work around the same goal, we share the same um, same language, we support each other to be successful. So the team culture would also stay on the very top of my focus
0: in the next years. All right, Makes sense. Well, Sunny, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thanks for joining.
1: Thank you, Carl, for having me. I also enjoy it.
0: And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and a rating. See you next week.